Just being able to be here with you guys and I know there's so many things our world has to offer and so I'm so thankful for each one of you guys prioritizing to be in the house of the Lord amen and so thank you for being here with us today it is a privilege uh, to stand before you and um, thank you for allowing me to be your pastor and to speak into your life and I want you to know um, I love you so much I do me and my wife pastor Heather uh, we love you with all of our heart. It is the joy of our lives to serve as your pastors, and we pray for you regularly. So know um, we pray for you. You can know that with assurance and, and know that there's a place for you if you feel like, oh, I'm just on the outside. You know, sometimes you come into a place and you see, like, a group of people already kind of doing stuff and kind of all together, and it's like, is there a spot for me? Yes. This is a click-free church. And I'm just letting you know that today. You are an official click buster. You are anointed and appointed. If you see a click, you just step right in there, baby. You bring your anointing and who you are. Amen. Like, we're not going to be that. I've been in churches like that, and I just refuse to lead a church and be part of one. That's all about clicks, because that's not what Jesus was about. Jesus, uh, in one of his stories, he said, go into the highways and the byways and compel anyone, the blind, the lame, the sick, whoever will come into the house has a place. So I just want you to know you have a place. You don't need to be on the outside looking in. So how, how is that possible? Well, the best I know to tell you, if you want to feel more connected, you want people to know your name, like just be there when the family's together. We always say that church is more like a family and so if that's the case, then you're part of the family. Just, just be there together. Hang, linger around a little bit after service or before service and, and talk to somebody you don't know. That's, you know, really the best way to get connected is just to start talking to people. Get connected. You know what I mean? Amen. Okay. I'm just trying to encourage you today. Y'all encouraged? Um, we've been talking on a series, What's on the Other Side? And hopefully it's been a blessing to you. We've been kind of taking some common biblical principles and evaluating uh, what's on the other side. Because I believe that God has more of himself than we've experienced so far. If you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years or 30 seconds, God has more of himself he wants you to experience. More knowledge you can gain about his word, about his nature, more of his goodness and his faithfulness you can experience. More of his anointing and power you can walk in. But sometimes we just get going in Christian life, doing all the things, and, and we understand, yeah, there's salvation. We understand all the things that are there, but there's really more to it. And so we've been kind of trying to get into the word and discover what's more there. And so we've looked at a couple different different subjects, what's on the other side of those things. If you missed any of those weeks or you want to share them with someone, they're available on our podcast or our YouTube channel. But today, I want to uh, take another step. The word of the Lord is, Jesus is coming back. All right, I got, I got a few amens today. Let me say this one more time. Jesus is coming back. This is an exciting message. This is a hope-filled message. After salvation... Right, this is the best news you can receive, that Jesus is coming back. Because I don't know if you've noticed that, but when you were saved, when you received Jesus into your life, he didn't beam you up to heaven right away, right? Anybody? No, we're all still here. And so Jesus left you in a messed up world. 
He left you with, you know, with messed up people all around you. Some you want to put, punch their lights out or whatever. The other ones you don't want to let, give them a piece of your mind. Like he left messed up people in your life. He left you here. Why did he leave you here? Well, he didn't just leave you here and abandon you here. He actually gave us promise through his word that he is coming back. So this is good news for us because I don't know if you've watched the news or you've been on Facebook or you've talked to another person lately, but there is some chaos in our world. There is some messed up things going on. And so how do we find hope in the middle of messed up things? How do we get through? How do we uh, continue to live in faith? Well, I think it comes from this knowledge of knowing that Jesus is coming back. Amen. That one day we will not be on this earth. Whether our bodies die and we go to heaven to be with him, or if the Lord comes back while we're still living, we will be in heaven with him forever. That is good news. Come on, we can shout a little bit more than that. If you're going to heaven, if Jesus has saved you, that is good news. Because the alternate reality is uh, separated, being separated from God forever in hell. That is not a place I want any of us to end up, right? And, and just, just so we're clear, you know, God doesn't send people to hell that he's mad at or disappointed in or weren't a good enough person. Hell is a place that people can choose to go to pay for their own sin. You just don't have to because Jesus already paid for your sin. That's what the cross and his resurrection was all about, was Jesus making the option available for every person who's willing to believe in him, to believe in his resurrection and confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Lord of their life. Then they can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal separation from God. Saved from being dead in their sin. Saved from darkness and being brought into light. Come on, that is why we celebrate. This is what Jesus told his disciples uh, in John chapter 14, verse 3, the red letters, he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, so Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to be crucified, but don't worry, I'm going to be resurrected, but then I'm going to leave you. <laughs> he said, don't worry, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back, and here's the good news, to take you to be with me so that you may be where I am also. So this is a good promise from Jesus. Eh? Would you agree? This is a good promise. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to just leave you. I'm going to come back and bring you to where I am. Where is Jesus? He's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So in other words, he is saying, don't worry. I'm going to come back and bring you to be with me in heaven forever. That's why we are rejoicing. So we don't have to be afraid of the end times. We don't have to be afraid of if uh, whatever political party is in power. We don't have to be afraid of the stock market or the economy or of whatever else. Why? Because we know the end of the story. We win. If you, if you didn't realize that, then you can skip all the way to the end of the Bible. The last chapter of Revelation, it talks about how we'll be in heaven together with Jesus forever. There will be a celebration. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be some good food. That's why I believe Jesus loves to eat. That's why I believe that barbecue was God's idea. Come on, somebody. There's going to be some Christian chicken up in there. The one place Chick-fil-A is open on a Sunday is at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. I always, get, I always get little notes when I mention Chick-fil-A in my messages because it's closed today, so I'm sorry. Praise the Lord. So my hope today is to build up your faith, to build up your excitement and your joy, but also to elevate our understanding 
so we can appropriately respond and be ready for the return of Jesus to come back because I don't want you to miss out. You know, I don't want you to be unprepared when Jesus returns because the reality is, is that scripture says that many will be unprepared when Jesus returns. I don't want that to be any of us or any of those that we know and love, any of those in our community. Um, so when we talk about the return of Jesus, so often people start asking the question, well, when? When is Jesus coming back? Uh, and spoiler alert, we don't know and we won't know. Um, uh, but that's really the common question, right? Anybody ever wondered that? When is Jesus coming back? People talk about it all over the place. Um, there's been many people throughout the years that have tried to predict when Jesus would come back. Um, even the Mayan calendar from all those hundreds of years ago, they predicted the end of the world on December 21st, 2012. But we still here, baby. <laughs> so... We don't know when Jesus is coming back, but we've got to be ready for when he comes back. It, you know, like, what if I told you that your favorite movie star was coming over for dinner? <laughs> the Beebs, Justin Bieber was coming to your house, baby. You know what I'm saying? You're like, ah! You know, like, I got to get ready, bathe the kids, vacuum the rugs. Uh, I got to go to the store. I got to clean the windows, uh, whatever. You know, like, what it, when is he coming? I don't know. He's just going to show up. Like, uh, make sure there's no laundry left on the couch, please. Praise the Lord, that's real life. You know, uh, like we would do everything. There would be a bit of a panic. There would be a bit of excitement. Just making sure we are always ready for that person to come. And it's the same with Jesus, though, is that he is coming back. And are we ready? Are we living in the state of being ready because we don't know? Um, Jesus' disciples even asked him this question. Uh, if you want to know, uh, what Jesus talked about, what the end times or the last days would be like. Two great chapters to read are Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25. The disciples actually sit down with Jesus and they ask him these questions. Jesus, okay, if you're going away, when are you coming back and what will it be like in the last days? People ask those questions regularly today, and I believe we are living in the last days. And next week, we're going to talk in detail about the end times and the last days. It's going to be awesome. You do not want to miss next week. So the disciples had the same questions that we have, and um, they, they asked them. And Jesus sits down with them, and he starts describing to them what the end times would be like. But in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus answered one of their questions about when he would come back. He said, about that day or hour of when he'll return, that's the day or the hour he's talking about, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So Jesus said he didn't even know when he was coming back, only the Father knows. So let me just tell you, if someone ever tells you this is when Jesus is coming back, do not be deceived. Do not believe them. You have proof in the book we are not going to know. Okay, I want to make sure y'all are still there. Okay, we're not going to know, so, so don't, don't be tricked into thinking, so what do we do then? Do we just, just hope that we are good enough and we don't miss it? No, I believe we're actually meant to live in a continual state of being ready for Jesus to come back. Look what he said a few verses later. He kind of continues talking through what that would be like. In verse 44, he says, so you must also be what? Ready. Everybody say ready. We must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect Him. So it's going to come when we're not like 
thinking that this is going to be today or tomorrow or maybe Tuesday. He's going to come when we don't know. So he says, you've got to be alert. You've got to already be ready for him to come back. So how do we do that? How do we live ready for Jesus to return? It's a great question. Thanks for asking. Uh, today I want to give us six keys I believe will help us to live ready for Jesus to return. So if you're taking notes, hopefully you'll write these down. Um, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 10. It says this, But the day of the Lord, now the day of the Lord he's talking about is the day Jesus returns to the earth, right? So he's talking about that moment. The day Jesus returns, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So here it is again. We're not going to be able to predict it. We're not going to know when it's coming. I mean, if you think about when a thief comes to, to steal at a person's house, they don't let them know. They don't send them a postcard to say, hey, uh, I'll be there later tonight around 3.30 to steal from your house. No, the thief comes trying to, to sneak in when, when you're least aware, when guard, the guard is low. You know, I mean, if you knew there was a thief coming to your house, would you go, I wouldn't go to sleep at night. No, I would be sitting up with whatever your weapon of choice is, right? Maybe you've got some nunchucks, or maybe you're like Chuck Norris, and you've got some karate moves, you know, you'd, be, you'd just be constantly ready. If you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be ready, boy, you know what I'm saying? But he's saying, it's going to come like a thief. We're not going to know. Then he begins to tell us what it'll be like. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid Bear. So there is the, the end time summed up in two sentences, right? Like the whole book of Revelation right there, two sentences. It's God's judgment of the earth. And then he brings us to this place. He says, since everything will be destroyed that way, what kind of people ought you to be? Now that's the question we should be asking. People are asking, well, when is he going to come back? When? When is it going to happen? And really, this is the question we should be asking. We know he's going to come back. We know there's going to be a tribulation. We know there's going to be all kinds of craziness. You read the book of Revelation, and it's kind of like, kind of weirdo sometimes, maybe like a sci-fi movie. We know there's going to be destruction. But in light of all that, he's saying, how do I live where I'm ready to be with Jesus? That's a good question to know, right? So, so our six keys. So here's the first one today. He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives. So here's the first one. If we want to live ready for Jesus' return, we need to live holy. We need to live holy. Now, this word holy is probably one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible. Uh, people think it means a lot of different things. You know, like when years, years ago, holy used to mean like you better never mess up. You better never do anything wrong. You better pretend like everything is fine, like you're a good person. You, try to, you better always try to say the right things. You better say enough prayers or whatever the thing is. You, you better do enough good things to make sure God is happy with you and don't do anything wrong. Any, anybody raised that way? Right? That's what we thought holy was, was uh, I got to do enough good so that I'm good on the outside. doesn't matter about the inside or anything else. But that's not what the word holy means in the Bible. When you translate the word holy in the original Greek language that it's written in, right, it actually translates, and the, the best words in our English is, means to be, to be set apart from common use. To be set apart. That's what holy means. You are set apart. Did you know that when you 
put your faith in Jesus, not only did he make you new in a moment, not only did your spirit receive the life of God, not only were you made the righteousness of God through Christ, but he said, you are now a holy people, a holy generation, a royal priesthood. He made you holy. In other words, he didn't make you perfect. Holy doesn't mean perfect. He made you holy. He, he took you out of common and set you apart. He made you holy, right? He made you holy, so you're not common anymore. I know it's common in our world for people to go party at the bars. I know it's common to curse and to whatever else. I know it's common to let your sexual desires drive your thoughts and your decisions. I know it's common and, and uh, even vogue these days to rage about everything, to be angry at somebody, to be easily offended. I know it's common to hold on to unforgiveness and refuse to forgive someone who did you wrong. I, I, I know it's common, but can I just remind you, even while there's lots of mindsets and behaviors that are common, you, uh, dear brother, and sister in Christ, dear son and daughter of God, you are not common. You have been set apart from common things, right, so that you could live holy. So living holy doesn't mean that you are perfect. Living holy is freedom to be all that God has called you to be. Living holy is a joy because you are not common anymore. And so, yes, it does require different decisions not to be part of common things. You don't have to live that way, but if you want to live ready for Jesus' return, Peter is teaching us what kind of person are we to be. Well, we ought to live set apart. In other words, we're going to live in a messed up world, but we don't have to be like the messed up world. We're going to be part of culture, but we should set the culture, not reflect the culture. We're going to be around people who are common, but we are not common. And listen, holiness is not based on your past. Why? Because when your life is in Christ, your past is gone. What does it say? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All things are made new. Behold, the old is gone. It's been removed. It is no more. So your past only exists when the enemy comes and brings it back to your mind to accuse you with it, to condemn you with it and say you aren't good enough. But God has said, what past are you talking about? said, I've set you apart. I've gotten rid of that. I've made you brand new. I've restored you. And so we've got to begin to understand this reality that when the devil comes to bring our past back to us to say, well, you know, you really weren't good enough. You know, yesterday when you messed up and you cussed everybody out, well, now you're not holy anymore. That's not it at all. Yeah, there's moments when we mess up, but that's what repentance is all about. Come on, that's what humility is to say, you know what, I missed it in this place. And maybe you missed it yesterday. There's probably some people you need to go back to in humility and say, I'm so sorry I missed it. Will you forgive me? Come on. We've got to start living like, like we've been set apart. God restored you. You might have been the best cusser of all cussers before Christ. 
But come on, God restored you, and now he's filled you with his spirit. He's given you the Holy Spirit, and it says the Holy Spirit is given to us to remind us of the words of Jesus. So now you have new words inside of you, right? Your mind has been renewed. You, have, you can speak life to people. You might have been, you know, the, part, you know, the life of the party beforehand. You might have been able to drink everybody under the table. But now in, new, and now in Christ, now that you've been set apart, now you have living water to share with other people. You've been restored. You've been brought out of some things, right? So we've got to, like, if we want to live holy, we can't just continually to consume common. It is some decisions that we have to make. God has put newness in you. He's restored you. Maybe even before Christ, maybe you lost your sexual purity. In Christ, he's restored you. I believe God restores sexual purity. We can live holy Set apart from common things. When things come on the screen, it's time to change the channel. When things arouse desires, it's time to get out of those things. Amen? Come on. You don't have to have a smartphone. You don't have to have a smartphone with free access to everything. If it's a problem, let's change some things. We are set apart. We are different from everybody else. And here's the thing, you know, um, <laughs> We could not earn God's goodness. This is God's goodness to set us apart from those things, right? God is good this way. We don't deserve it. We couldn't earn God's renewal, but God gave it to us anyways. He said, you know what? You are worth it. You are worth his renewal. And not only has he set us apart, but he actually gives us his spirit to empower us to be able to live this way. Come on, to live holy. It's not about a list of things you should and shouldn't do. That's not living holy, okay? Living holy is, is freedom, it's joy. This is a get to, not a got to. Uh, you're free to do whatever you want. But there is strength and peace and joy and purpose in living a set-apart life. Listen, when you live holy, when you live set-apart from common things, man, there is freedom in every part of your life to bring God glory. And we've got to remember, sometimes we ask ourselves this question, what is the purpose of my life? Your purpose in your life is to bring God glory. It's to know him, it's to bring it, not to advance your agenda, not to live your best life, not like all, everything else is a benefit, is a bonus on top of what can I do in my life to give God glory. That's the purpose of our lives. So then realizing that living holy, living set apart is just part of God's goodness in our lives, that we get to bring glory to him in every area of our lives. Come on. All right, here's the second one. He says, he says, what kind of people ought you to be? Number one, live holy and godly lives. Here's the second part of that sentence. He says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Remember, the day of God that he's talking about is the day Jesus returns. So he's still talking about when Jesus comes back. He says, as you look forward to that day and speed its coming. So here's number two. If we're going to live ready for Jesus' return, we've got to tell people about Jesus' return. We get to play a part. He said, you get to speed the Lord's coming. You, get, you play a part as you look forward to that day. There's joy, there's excitement about it as we speed his coming. Um, in the, when the church first began, right, right, when you read in the book of Acts, the, the church first began, Jesus ascended to heaven, and he had, they heard from Jesus' own mouth, hey, I'm coming back for you. They heard him say this, and so there was this genuine excitement like, almost like, Jesus is coming back Tuesday. 
You know, like that's, that's the kind of like excitement that they had about it. And so they created this greeting, this word uh, that they would greet one another with. There was so much excitement about the Lord's coming back that when they would see each other, you know, w when we greet each other, we have super spiritual greetings, you know, like, right? What's up? How's it going? Well, I'm blessed, you know. <laughs> but they're, <laughs> they're greeting, they, they would see each other, another believer in Jesus, and they would say, Maranatha which literally means the Lord is coming back. The Lord is returning. There was so much excitement and looking forward to the Lord coming back. It was literally part of their everyday language. Maranatha, hey, the Lord is coming back. That's the kind of anticipation that he's talking about that they have. Like he is coming again. I don't know about you, but when I'm excited about something that's coming up, you know, man, I'm thinking about it. I am talking about it. <laughs> what do we, we spend all of our time, our energy planning on it. Sometimes we spend a lot of money planning. It. When something is coming up that we are excited about, man, it dominates our lives, doesn't it? And when we look forward to it, we mark it on the calendar. Maybe you have multiple calendars. If you're like me, it's on there. And it's the same kind of excitement that Peter is talking about. Hey, as you look forward, Maranatha, the Lord is coming back. As you look forward to that day, this kind of anticipation with he's, that he's coming back. Because we know when he comes back, we go into heaven. Amen. That's a good place right there to give God praise that we get to go to heaven. So not only, he said, we, we look forward to his coming back, but because we know what happens when he comes back, now all of a sudden, okay, he's coming back, but what about the people that don't know him? And then he says, as you speed the day of his returning. So knowing that he's coming back for those that love him, those that are followers of him, man, it motivates us to tell other people about Jesus. It motivates us because we understand that if they don't know him, that they are not going to go with him to be with him. And so, man, when we have this anticipation that he's coming back, there's an urgency inside of us to share the love of Jesus with people in our lives. It'd be like if you went to see a family member and you were driving down their street and you saw their house was on fire and you just drove by. Oh, too bad. Somebody will tell them. Hope they all get out. None of us would do that, even with a stranger. If you drove up and there was a house on fire, get out of the house! It's on fire! When, come on, it's the same urgency. Man, every day, people are stepping out of this world into eternity. And they need Jesus. That's why it's so vital. That's why it's so important. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world. Don't leave any part of the world unturned. Go everywhere. Tell anyone who will listen to you that there's a way to escape, that the house is on fire. There's urgency in it when we understand he is coming back. The end is coming. And those who don't know him, man, sometimes we just, we come in and we're so comfortable in our little church seat and our little pew and just give me a nice little word and whatever else so that I can go about my week. I'll give a little bit so that I can be blessed. And come on, I want to shake you up a little bit today to realize the world is on fire and God has put us here with everything that we need, the message of life to share with people that, so that they could be rescued out of darkness. My prayer is that um, 
we begin to understand our individual responsibility to share Jesus. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to share Jesus with people. We all have an individual responsibility to share the life-giving message of Jesus with people in our lives. Um, in fact, I want to do something this morning, uh, just right where we are. Can we just take a moment? And, um, I want us to pray and just ask God, God, who would you want me to pray for this week? And here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. To think of a name, to think of a face, a person in your life, and pray for them every day this week that God would create opportunities for them to know Jesus. Can we commit to doing that every day this week? Okay, so let's take a moment right now, and each of us, we're going to pray and ask God for that name or that person. So let's just take the moment, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes, and you ask him in your own words. I'm going to pray over all of us, but you ask God right now for that person in your life. Lord, we just come before you as your sons and daughters. Would you speak to each and every one of us? God, who would you want us to pray for every day this week so that they could know Jesus? Lord God, bring to us a name, a face of who that person is. Okay, everybody got a name? You got a face? Someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus? All right, come on, let's get to our feet. Come on, it's interactive today. I know we're in the middle. Get to your feet real quick. We're going to take a moment right now. It's day one. We're going to pray right now, okay? So you got their name. You got their face in mind. Let's pray all together right now. You pray and ask God. Lord, we just thank you right now for that person, Lord God. Uh, you say their name. You speak it out, Lord. We thank you that right now, wherever they are, Lord God, that you would begin to move on their heart. Lord God, I pray that you begin to break up the hard places in their life where they've been resistant to the gospel of Jesus, where they've been hurt, or whatever their story is, Lord God. I just pray right now that you make a way. God, would you move in their lives so that they could know you you. And God, if you can use me to be a light in their life, if you can use me to speak to them, God, I am available. I thank you, God, for those opportunities that they will be able to come to know you and find salvation and life in your son, Jesus. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay, grab your seat. Go ahead and sit back down. Now, that's our commitment. Every day this week, it doesn't have to be a half-hour prayer session. It can be. It can be just a few moments just to pray for that person by name that God would make a way for them to know Jesus. And listen, buckle up, sippy cup, because God's probably going to use you. And don't be afraid of it. Just be bold in that moment. There is no greater joy as a Christian than to help someone else find Jesus. Amen?